Hello there. Well, this is episode two of my transplant journey. And the topic for uh, this episode is what was life like before the transplant? Well, I think I uh, provided a little insight into the insanity of of uh, an average uh dialysis day um, in the last uh, episode. Uh, basically, I was on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. I would wake up at about 3.30 in the morning. Um, my husband would often wake up with me, and uh, I would get ready to go to the dialysis unit. I would, um, he would come downstairs with me. He used to actually uh, put together a cup of cracked ice for me because I had to limit the amount of fluid that I would take in in a day. And uh, indeed, he, he often used to crack the ice for me even uh, on a regular day that I would take to, to work with me. Um, he, I would uh, get my medications ready. I would often um, take something to to snack on. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, I started taking a fleece blanket with me um, so that I could actually be warm enough to go to sleep um, at the unit. And uh, I would jump in the car at about 3.45, 4 o'clock and uh, drive um, half an hour uh, from Somerset into um, Paget to... Um, the uh, acute care wing of the hospital uh, and go up to the um, first floor and I would be waiting with uh, all of the other individuals who would go on to the machines at 4.30 in the morning. Um, So I was always hopeful to be uh, the first in my section to go on because um, I generally would get off at about seven, I would finish at about seven thirty, seven forty-five at the latest, and my goal was to be out of the door um, and down in the parking lot for eight o'clock, because that would be when um, Aiden and the kids and either his mom or his dad would come and meet me in the parking lot. Uh, his parents would take their car, and. Um, head home or to whatever appointments they had and I would jump in our car uh, see the kids off to school and then be dropped off at work by about 8 30 and then I'd go through my my regular day um and then evenings we would uh get through you know homework and bedtime routine and all that and uh usually by that time I was um completely and totally dragging, uh, I would have to say Aiden did as well because, uh, you know, he was up with me uh, that early in the morning. And uh, that was sort of like our routine um, for almost two years. Um, The, how did I feel though? The first year I kept teaching dance and uh, it was a bit frustrating because I couldn't do as much as I used to. I was the type of dance teacher who used to, uh, I guess you can say, uh, teach and talk while dancing. And um, when I started 
um, going downhill. And then when I started dialysis, that meant that I had to actually start getting um, uh, students to to demonstrate. Um, I had to basically do more observing and talking versus dancing and talking. And um, it was really tough not to to um, be as active as I I was getting into the uh, uh, you know past the first year and into the second year, um, my endurance just uh, was just so low. Uh, getting up the stairs was difficult. Um, walking, uh, I just slowed down a lot. I started having problems with my hips. Um, uh, the it it just was a matter of I I whereas I used to walk around Hamilton at lunchtime for uh, you know peace of mind and exercise, I started doing things like um, you know bringing stuff in, eating a lot of things at my desk, not going as far. Uh, so basically, just sticking around to uh, restaurants in the area. I just really did not have the the energy uh to be able to do what I used to do and I felt like I was losing myself um in that first year I was very positive that um with the number of friends that had stepped forward being willing to be tested for um to be a donor that um I would be able to have that transplant in that that first year of of being on dialysis and you know in a way that kept me going with the dancing and everything like that even though I would uh, come home after dance class particularly on a Saturday and I would like go to sleep for hours and I felt really bad sometimes because you know of course the kids wanted to go outside and they wanted to to do various things and if I were home by myself if Aiden had a show or something like that that meant that I um, was trying to find ways in which to keep them inside uh, because I knew I couldn't run after them, um, particularly after Seamus. Um, so I, I really felt like it was changing my life and the way that um, I was living it. Um, getting into year two, I think my mental, um, my way of mentally dealing with um, the the physical pain that was coming with the the hips hurting and and my back hurting, and then of course with the the kidney, um, you know, getting larger and um, you know, you know that it's getting larger because your clothes just aren't fitting um, anymore. You know, whereas you used to be able to um, button that that suit jacket. All of a sudden, you couldn't anymore. Or wear it, whereas you used to be able to wear that suit jacket, and you know you didn't look pregnant. All of a sudden, you you were wearing that suit jacket, and people were congratulating you, um, you know, and hoping that it was going to be a girl this time. And um, it just got to the point where, in the first year, I was, you know, I wouldn't comment, and in the second year, I just was to the point where I was like, I'm not pregnant. Um, you know, this is my, my kidney, um, and I, you know, hope, and I'm on the transplant list. You know, I just started being honest about what I was dealing with because I just didn't, 
there just wasn't any reason why to not share anymore because it was so obvious that something just wasn't right. And I mean, you know, I wasn't saying it to embarrass anybody. I, you know, sometimes I was sharing to just be honest. Other times I was sharing so that, you know, they, people would realize that, you know, not everybody is, um, you know, pregnant. Not everybody is fat. Um, You know, sometimes there are other things that are going on. And I really wanted to try to be an advocate for, you know, organ donation and, and, and such. So, you know, I started, you know, doing things like celebrating, um, you know, things like Organ Donation Month and, um, you know, uh, 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 which is um, Organ Donation Month is April. And in March, you had the um, uh, Kidney Awareness Month. So, you know, I, I started becoming a bit more active in doing things like that. Um, I used to do the PKD walk uh, ahead of actually starting dialysis. And um, the first year I actually did do the walk and and most of my family participated in that year. Um, Last year, I just didn't have the energy to do it. We just took the boys on a bit of an adventure to the beach. Um, They ended up far, far ahead of me. I was walking very slowly because I just couldn't keep up. Um, it was it was definitely a frustrating experience for somebody who has, for most of her life, been healthy and active, and um, you know, I mean, I you know was a runner and I was a dancer, and you know. I say was because that's how I was feeling at that time. Um, But I was also um, angry enough to say, and I will be again. I will be a dancer again. I will run again because I'm not going to let this get me. So I would say nine times out of ten, I still had that positivity. And I knew that, you know, once the transplant happened, you know, life would change. But sometimes when you are feeling low, you just let that doubt, you know, trickle in. And you just wonder how do people live for years and years and years on dialysis? And, you know, basically, you know, that becomes their life. And you end up hearing lots and lots of stories um, where, you know, it becomes the center of their life. That's where, you know, there's the people who they have friendships with, the people who are in the sections that they, that they are in. And, you know, I just, in a way, didn't want that to be my life. I mean, I got to know people. I really got to know the nurses. I really valued the fact that people were willing to talk and share their stories and such. But I wanted to just get back to real life with, you know, my family and weekends where we went on adventures and being able to go and run around and ride bikes and, you know, do active things with my kids. So it was sort of like, I don't want this to be my life. I don't want 
you know, the constant pain to be my life. I don't want, you know, always walking behind my family to be my life. I don't want to, you know, not teach dance. I do not want to not be able to say, I'm going to run a 10K. I'm going to run a 5K. I just wanted my life back. So I can honestly say that life before transplant was a holding pattern. And uh, I knew that once the transplant happened, um, I could get back to, um, you know, living life fully. I won't say that I wasn't doing my darndest to, you know, do as much as I possibly could. You know, okay, I can't go outside and run with the kids, but I can sit down and I could read with them. I could sit down and I can do crafts with them. We could write stories. We could, um, you know, do coding on the computer. So, you know, it changed a lot of the activities we did. But, you know, everybody wants their kids outside and playing and enjoying the sun and such. And I was like, I need to get back to that. So that was what I was living for. Uh, I mean, and I won't even say the full two years. As I said, the first year, I was so adamant that nothing was going to change. And it was the physical side of it that changed getting into year two. Um, It was the lack of energy that got me. It was the inability to do, um, you know, the walking and the dancing and and things like that. So, um, you know, I honestly am so very grateful to, you know, be feeling the energy that I feel right now, even here four weeks after the operation, I feel totally different. My hips don't hurt anymore. My knees don't hurt anymore. Um, I mean, sure, other parts hurt right now. Um, My quadriceps, because they're not nearly, I mean, I don't have the muscle that I used to have thanks to dance. So I have like some resistance bands and, you know, I'm starting to do things like squats and, and things, trying to do things with my arms and stuff like that. So, but it's, you know, I feel like I'm literally starting from, from scratch. Uh, so many things have wasted away over, over the last year since I had stopped dancing. Um, and I'm looking forward to just getting back to, to an active life. I mean, sure, I still have to get rid of um, the left kidney. Um, that's going to keep me from, you know, doing the running and all that type of stuff. But, you know, that there's an expiry date for that one as well. In six months' time, um, you know, that one goes bye-bye as well. And, you know, who knows what goals that I'll decide to work towards. Do I try to train for the transplant games? Um, I know one of my goals is to do the Bermuda Day Half Marathon from St. George's because I've done it from Somerset and I, I haven't done it from St. George's yet. And um, I do want to get back to dance because I miss it so very much. And, um, and then I want to get out with my kids and I want to go bike riding and I want, to, I want to paddle board with them and I want to go sailing and shoot. I'd even like to go roller skating because I used to love roller skating so very much and I think that they'd enjoy it. 
Note I did not say rollerblading. I said roller skating. <laughs> so, um, so that's a bit about what life was like um, before the transplant. Um, I will say now that I hadn't given up. Um, I will say now that my decision to um, stop dancing was honestly due to, um, you know, my frustration of not being able to give the 110% that I was used to giving. And um, I can honestly say that my frustration of not being able to run after my four-year-old and to keep him safe in public was a big frustration. Um, you know, if he ran off, I, you know, I couldn't catch him. So, um, you know, there, there were moments of intense frustration, but I will honestly say that I was not depressed due to it. Um, I had moments when I was sad, um, but I was not depressed. I still had the my mom as my role model in my head and looking back on all she was able to do with my brother and myself. Granted, we were older, but, you know, she still gave so much of herself for us and to us that whenever I felt like those moments of sadness and like, I can't do this anymore, I would then say, but, you know, I have this great example of, you know, somebody who, you know, pulled that fight from within and, you know, was there and did this stuff with us. And, you know, that would keep me going. So, you know, she was a just a phenomenal role model. And, um, you know, I just, I just had to, to keep, keep, uh, keep moving forward. So that's the end of episode two. Uh, thank you so very much for those of you who have started following this podcast. And uh, I hope that this will, um, you know, for those of you who are interested in organ donation, uh, will help you get a bit more information on it. And for those of you who have to uh, consider um, receiving a transplant somewhere in the future, that uh, this will provide some enlightening information that may help you on your journey. She'll talk to you later. Bye.